Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Are you looking to plan and book an upcoming Disney vacation? Contact the Tierra Talk Show's official travel agent, James from Destinations in Florida, by visiting destinationsinflorida.com backslash tiara for a free quote. The link is also included in the show notes on our website. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. Ahead of my doom. Next time, gonna use a nom de plume. One jump ahead of the hitman. One hit ahead of the flock. I think I'll take a stroll around the block. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, actor, writer, and producer, Scott Weinger to the show. Welcome, Scott. Hey, thanks, Tammy. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to talk with you a little bit about Aladdin and also Blackish and Galavant because you've dabbled in almost everything as a writer, producer, and actor. Let's talk about Aladdin first because that's sure. that's what a lot of people know you for. And Aladdin is getting a special D23 panel that was kind of announced maybe about a week, two ago since this recording. And a lot of people are buzzing about it because it's a great opportunity to celebrate such a wonderful film and you became a part of this how was the audition process like for you working on Aladdin you know it took forever I didn't you know I had never worked in animation before I didn't know how it worked and that the timeline these projects take years I was used to sort of doing a tv show that you act in and you shoot the pilot and if it gets picked up you go right to work and then you see it pretty pretty immediately um, but animation, you know better than I do even, that uh, it takes years you know, to make these movies. So I think from the time I first went into audition for Aladdin to the time it came out, there was a minimum of two years, maybe more, maybe three. For me, it was really fun. I, you know, I had never worked in that medium before, so I, wasn't, uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. I really enjoyed it. You had a friend who said, this is a big deal. This is really yeah. a big deal, and you didn't kind well, of realize until you were halfway kid. through. I was a teenager. <laughs> I was 15 years old, and I was, I was starring, well, I was one of the stars of a sitcom, a family sitcom that was on the air at the time called The Family Man, which I thought was like the biggest deal in the whole world, you know, so to go to audition for some cartoon after work didn't feel like I didn't, you know, I didn't really, you know, appreciate the magnitude of it. But my, my best friend, my best friend then and still my best friend all these years later is this guy named Matthew Pearl, who now he's a great novelist. Everybody go out and buy all of his books. He wrote The Dante Club and a bunch of other really great novels. But in any case, he, his first love was animation. He was, even when we were 15 years old, he was an animation historian. He knew everything about the history of animation. And he knew all about Ron Clemens and John Musker, and he knew all about... Uh, he dragged me to the Little Mermaid, uh, kicking and screaming because I did, but I was, thought it was a girl movie, you know. And then, of course, I was blown away by it. And when I told him about Aladdin, I said, "This cartoon thing. It's not some cartoon thing. This is the guys. These are the Little Mermaid guys. This is a huge, big, giant deal, you know." And he he made me appreciate the magnitude of it, and uh, and which is a good thing. I didn't tell him about it too early because. If he had made me appreciate the significance of it too soon, I would have gotten so nervous that I would have flubbed the audition process. And you didn't get a chance to audition with any other actors, correct? And you didn't really hear anything from them until when you guys were actually 
physically recording for the show. Yeah, they all, the only thing that they show you, and it's very clever, is the only thing that they show you is uh, pictures of the character. They say, this is what he looks like, so try to sound like that guy. And uh, and I think Aladdin changed a little bit once I got the part. They had been, ch- you know, he had been younger at one point. He had been older. In fact, now that we can freeze frame these things at home, you could see during some of the musical numbers that he's a little younger and a little older. His age changes at times. The things that had been animated before I came on board. And then I think when they finally cast me, they settled on the age that I was. I guess 16 or 17 or so. And it really works. It works fantastic. I remember that they, they, unfortunately, they cut the one song because they changed Aladdin's storyline, which was Proud of Your Boy. And I, if, I'm, if I'm quoting you correctly, I think you said that it was one of your favorite songs before it was kind of cut. Oh, and- it was gorgeous. It was it, Proud of Your Boy. It, you know, it's funny because it has a happy ending. It, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. It's Aladdin singing to his mom about how he knows he's no good and he's kind of, you know, uh, you know, he's out there, you know, causing trouble and he's not living up to his mom's expectations of him. But he knows he's going to make her proud someday. And it's a gorgeous song. And I had, they gave me a tape of Alan Menken singing, you know, a demo tape. And I was listening, I was a kid. I, my, I didn't drive myself to the audition. My mom drove me and in the car on the way home. She started crying. It was so beautiful. The, the happy ending is, is that even though the song was cut from the movie because Aladdin's mom was cut from the movie, so he had nobody to sing it to, they have put that song in the Broadway show. So it's on the Broadway soundtrack, and it's gorgeous. I mean, it brings down the house, and, uh, and uh, I'm glad that the song got a second life. So I'm guessing that you, you haven't gotten a chance to see the musical yet, or you're going to make your way over You know, soon? I have, and, you know, it's funny. I got a chance. I was very lucky. I got a chance to see it when it was in Toronto, but I never saw it in um, New York, so I'm dying to get to Broadway and, and check it out. It would be, I heard it's as great as it was in Toronto. I heard it's, that it's even better in New York, so I'm, I'm dying to go see it. There was a beautiful commemoration to Robin Williams after he passed away uh, by the Broadway cast. When was the last time you got to see or speak with him? God, I, you know, it's I. First of all, I mean, of course, that was such a horrible event. I mean, I, I mean, it was devastating. Not just because I got to work with him in Aladdin and and and, and had that incredible experience of sharing a project with him, but growing up, he was my hero. He was the he was. When I was a kid, I mean, I had, you know, Mork and Mindy was my favorite show when I was really little. I had a little egg with Mork <laughs> in it, you know, and, uh, and then all the way to Dead Poet Society, which was my ultimate favorite movie as a teenager, and then getting to work with him. So, I mean, he was a really big part of my life even before he was even in my life professionally. You know, it was, it was heartbreaking to lose him. I think the, la- the last time I saw him was we ran into each other at an event, you know, one of these L.A. charity events that they have. Um, and, uh, and he was always so gracious, you know, of course I would always freak out when I saw him because, you know, I was a fan first before I was a coworker of his. And so <laughs> I would always, you know, freak out that Robin Williams was in the room and I always would go and say hi, you know, because, you know, Robin Williams is always Robin Williams, but you know, he, he, I first met him when I was, I guess, 16 years old, 15 or 16 years old. So to run into him again at 25 or 35, I would always have to reintroduce myself. And he was always <laughs> so gracious. And um, I, I remember the first time we met, um, he was introduced to me. They said, this is your Aladdin. And he said, I'll be your genie. <laughs> and he, he, uh, he, was, he was amazing. Working with him was an amazing experience. I've got a picture of us together in the recording studio here in my house. And... Um, my wife said to me when after he passed away, she said, now it makes me sad to look at it. And I said, well, I don't think that's what he would want. I think, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the tragedy of losing him was so horrendous for everybody. 
Um, but, uh, but hopefully I think everybody, you know, hopefully just remembering him will bring a smile to everybody's face because he truly was, you know, he was like a bright light in the world. He was one of the funniest people around and, and such an insanely spectacular performer, whether he was doing comedy or drama, anything, you know, or, or stand up, uh, or just being a guest on a TV show, a guest on a talk show. He always, you know, brought down the house. So yeah, he was, you know, just an incandescent kind of amazing, one of a kind person. And so for me to have my little moment with him, my one little, you know, was just an incredible, uh, it was just an incredible experience. And I think it's so great that they include video footage of both of you working in the recording studio and the behind the scenes featurette, because that's, that's usually something that was uncommon back then to work with somebody who was playing opposite you, the character, it's yeah. usually just you in a studio. So that's true. Well, the reason we had to do that, you know, because, you know, well, first of all, when it came to Aladdin, we, the way it worked was we all sort of recorded together initially, we would record. So it would sound like a more, more like a conversation and not individual lines sort of pulled out of the ether. But, but also, um, you know, in the beginning, we all record together. And then as you get further down the line, it's just you fixing things and changing things and making small adjustments. But with Robin, he was a big improviser, which was part of the appeal. He would change his lines. You know, they gave him free reign to, to make adjustments or throw jokes out there and say whatever he wanted, especially because the genie was such a, you know, it was a morphing character who could do basically turn into anybody that he wanted to. So, so anyway, we had to record a little bit together because if he had to, if he would change his dialogue, I would have to adjust my dialogue accordingly. So, but the funny thing was there was a story that I would tell that in the recording studio, he was so funny that I fell down laughing. And I told that story at a press junket after the movie came out and, uh, continued to tell it for years. And, and, you know, Aladdin came out decade, you know, more than 20 years ago. So I had told that story so many times that I could remember the story, but I didn't remember the actual occasion of him, of me falling down in the studio. And I got to the point where I was like, did I make this up at a press junket? Cause it sounded good. <laughs> or did this thing actually happen? And um, when the DVD came out and the extras, they had the footage of me falling down laughing. So that made me very happy that it turned out to be a, a true story that I didn't just make it up. And I, I think we need to mention that you actually dressed up as Aladdin for a Full House episode, which is those two episodes of the whole cast going down to Disney World are probably my favorite in the series as a Full House fan. So, of course, we spoke uh, a couple years ago, uh, and we talked about how they, it was kind of like an inside joke with you being Aladdin. That was so much fun. Well, you know, going down to Disney World for several weeks to record, you know, to shoot that those episodes was one of the highlights of working on Full House. It was so much fun. And, uh, you know, first of all, I was a teenager. I was 17 years old, I think. So I was exactly the right age where I could appreciate how awesome it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the whole cast was down there. And I was, you know, we were all very close with each other. We had a lot of fun together. And, um, yeah, and the Aladdin thing was just, it was, it was really funny because it was just this inside joke because my character couldn't travel with the family to Florida. So DJ missed Steve so badly that wherever she went, she saw him in all the characters, whether it was Indiana Jones at the, at the, at the studio or Prince Charming. So they had me dress up in all these different characters. And one of them, uh, was Aladdin. And so it was funny. It was sort of a little, a little Easter egg for, you know, for people who, for people who knew that little fun fact. The funny thing is now, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an old guy, you know, I go to, you know, they, when people say, Oh, when they introduced me to the kid playing Aladdin at the park now, you know, you know, they introduced, you know, we're not exactly the same age, but back then I was exactly the same age as Aladdin and probably younger than the guy in the park playing Aladdin. And, 
and um, and so it was really funny. So to throw that wig on me in the Aladdin outfit, you know, uh, I could have probably done it for the day in the park, and nobody would have known the difference. So can we really expect fun. Steve to come back in an Aladdin outfit for Folder House, the new Netflix series? I, I don't know if they're <laughs> going to throw me in an Aladdin outfit. <laughs> that I, that I can't make any promises, but you know, but I do. I do believe I will be making an appearance on that new show on Fuller House. I think uh, I've talked to Jeff Franklin, who created the show, and uh, and it sounds to me like they've got plans. They've got plans for Steve, and I don't know if I'd be allowed <laughs> to share them if I knew what they were, but I don't know what they are. No, no, it's so, all right. It was great to see you tweet about it because a lot of people were tweeting you once it was announced and saying, you know, where 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 is he going to be? You know, and you were saying, don't worry, he's going to be quite well, all what right. What happened was it, it came out that DJ's a widow, so everybody naturally said, well, oh my God. God, poor Steve. He That's right. Jeff, I said, listen, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil this for anybody, but people are freaking out and asking me if Steve is the dead husband. And he said, <laughs> no, that's not the case. But basically, because um, the show goes into production in a couple of weeks, but I think basically Steve, uh, she was married to a guy with the last name Fuller, as luck would have it. And Fuller dies. And so now it's called Fuller House because her name is no longer DJ Tanner, but DJ Fuller. I hope yeah. they kind of introduce Steve at a restaurant, just eating at a buffet, because that's his favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah, they should, that would be really funny. They should put me in a giant fat suit. Steve, he, he, <laughs> he stopped, he's not on the wrestling team anymore, but he is a, a still a massive eater. When we were making that show, I, it didn't really occur to me. I didn't realize how often they had me eating. But, you know, later on, it became sort of the trademark thing for that character that he was the guy that was always eating. And then I looked back and I said, oh, yeah, I was even I was taking food out of the fridge in the opening credits. I mean, I think, but um, so, yeah, but they'll probably I'm sure they'll make jokes about that. I think part I have no idea what the plans are for the show, but uh, but I have a feeling, you know, they're going to give the, you know, the loyal fans, people who have been watching the show forever. Um, you know, a lot of what they want, you know, in terms of, you know, like, for example, I can't imagine that Steve is, uh, eats like a bird now. No, not at all. And, <laughs> and, and it's great to know that I, last time I spoke with you, you were working on 90210, and now you're working mm -hmm. on Gallivant and Blackish, which are two great yeah. comedies, and well, one's not, a musical not, comedy. should point out, not as, a, not as an actor, as a, as a writer and producer. Yes, as now. a writer and producer, and, and a lot of fans have been emailing me, especially about Gallivant, to talk more about that, because both TV shows, Blackish and Gallivant, are getting a season two, which is wonderful, and you're in the midst of writing some episodes, which is great, and I'm so excited, because I love musical numbers that are spontaneous in shows, and that's, that's especially what I get from Gallivant. So when you guys are pitching the idea of Gallivant, there's not a lot of TV shows that have a lot of singing happening in them yeah. uh, spontaneously. Well, you know, this, basically, we're doing it. We're doing it um, in a very traditional Disney musical way. Well, first of all, Alan Menken is the is writing all the songs, which is the, which is so incredible because he, you know, he's the legendary ultimate Disney, you know, songwriter. And Glenn Slater, the amazing lyricist, is doing the lyrics. They wrote the they did the, they did the musical Tangled together. And uh, so to get to work with these guys, for me personally, for somebody who doesn't have music, musical talent or the ability to write a musical or anything like that, you know, to be able to sort of be in a room with these guys. And basically, I'm not the guy. I'm just a member of the writing staff. I'm one of the producers on the show. And Alan and Glenn come in from New York and they sit in the room with us. And we talk about what we want for the whole season, the arc of the season that we're, we're envisioning. And we go episode by episode and try to come up with a few song ideas that they go off and write. So they write the lyrics, they write the music, but the concept for the song is, is, is sort of discovered in the writing room with all the writers. And, um, and then they go back to New York and they email us these 
samples that are just spectacular every time. It's just, it's so incredible to, to see these supremely talented guys do their thing. It's really fun. Yeah, Gallivant, basically, it's a half-hour comedy. People have been saying that it's a, a bit like The Princess Bride meets Monty Python, and, uh, and a lot of fun with beautiful, beautiful music by, by Alan Menken. It's really, for me, it's a dream come true, because it, all of the things that I love at Unites, I'm a huge musical guy. I love musicals. Of course, I love Alan Menken, and I've known him for forever now because of the Aladdin connection. And, uh, and so to be, you know, to be, and I love the guy who created Gallivant is this insanely talented guy named Dan Fogelman, who's a great screenwriter. And, uh, and we have just a, a really awesome writing staff and great producers and the people who uh, run it with Dan, John Hoberg and Kat Lickle, who are going to go actually move to England for the whole production, which they did last season and they're going to do this season. Um, and, uh, you know, they're just, everybody, you know, the, the whole, everybody's really excited to be involved in it. It's a very special show. And so you get a lot of enthusiasm and we, we laugh a lot and have a lot of fun in that writer's room. Sitting down today to write my first episode of the season and uh, I'm nervous to get back into it because I worked on Gallivant season one. We did these eight episodes and then um, there was a lot of time left in the TV season because eight episodes really doesn't constitute a full season of television. So I was very fortunate to be able to jump over to Blackish um, for the rest of the season where we did 24 episodes. But now that Gallivant is back, I'm back on Gallivant. So, so, um, so it, yeah, it's been, it's been a really, as far as, my writing career goes, I, I couldn't ask for more because I love both shows. I feel really lucky. And do you get to suggest guests to come on the show because you had Weird Al and John Stamos and Ricky Gervais? Mm-hmm. It was great to see them just kind of pop in and, and yeah. make a surprise appearance where you kind of like, you know, we could just give them a call and say, hey, would you like to be included in one scene here? And then just invited well, them you to know, the Well, you know, the people, you know, I can't really take any credit for that. But, you know, we, we, as writers, we all sit around and pitch names like, oh, my God, Ricky Gervais would be hilarious for that character, that sort of thing. But really, I think what 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 people are drawn to is that the show is very unique. It's an interesting kind of show and there aren't, there's really nothing like it on television. And then we've got these incredible heavy hitters from the movie business, like Dan Fogelman, who's, you know, he wrote cars and he wrote tangled and he wrote bolt, but he also wrote a lot of non-animated movies, like for example, crazy, stupid love. So he's one of the top screenwriters in the feature business. And then you've got Alan Menken who has more Oscars than any other living person, I think. So you've got these incredible people that everybody wants to work with. So it's, it, it makes it a lot easier to woo, you know, huge celebrities and big, big names who, you know, to, 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 to fly to Bristol, England and do a guest spot for us. You know, the opportunity to sing an Alan Menken song doesn't come along that much. So No, so, not at all. <laughs> yeah, Especially so one pretty, that's originally written for a show. It's not just like it's exactly. written 20 years ago. And let me ago. tell you something, you know, whether Alan is, a, it, it's amazing whether he's writing. I mean, obviously the guy has won a gazillion Oscars and he's had in, huge Broadway hits, including Aladdin, which is running right now. And it's a massive success. And, you know, the, he, he's got nothing left to prove this guy, but he doesn't, he never phones it in. He, every song, it's mind blowing. We'll say, oh, new, you know, the writers will be in the room and uh, the assistant at the computer will say, oh, a new song came in from Alan. And everything stopped so we could hear the new song that Alan and Glenn wrote, you know, and fun to be a part of this creative process. Especially having been involved in it as an actor with Aladdin um, and, you know, now seeing it from a completely different perspective, it's really fun. 
I'm just excited to see Brad Kane, who is the singing voice of Aladdin, and you have a sing-off at the expo, right? This is going to happen, right? I don't <laughs> think I would fare too well in that sing-off. <laughs> oh, come on. I, would just, I, I was really excited just to hear that both of you guys are going to be on the stage because I don't think yeah, they've done you know, an interview really with both cool. of you. It's, it's a very strange and funny trivia fact that, that Brad Kane, who's the singing voice of Aladdin, and me, the speaking voice, both wound up TV producers. It's very bizarre that we both well, get, you know, got into writing and write TV shows. He does more, more one-hour dramas, and I've done a lot of dramas, but now I'm fully back in comedy. And, you know, but, uh, but it's pretty funny that that's the, the career, that, the path that we both chose as, as grown-ups. So, and he's a great guy. I mean, whenever I bump into him, he's just so nice. He's just always been a really sweet guy. You know, the Aladdin Blue, I guess the Blu-ray has never been released, and it's coming out in October. Which, so I'm that's so why excited for that. Aladdin is so funny. It's been around... The movie came out in 1992, and here we are in 2015, and it's still a very much a part of my life because it's it's just it continues to sort of uh, you know whether it's the Broadway show or the Blu-ray coming out, you know people, it's very much uh, just part of the culture. So and you're still called some... in to voice him. It's not like you did it for the three sequels and the TV show. You're coming in for other TV shows like House of Mouse and also, well, that's not on yeah. anymore, but, you know, the video games that they have and the theme oh, parks. In, what, what, I mean, you know, the, I'll get a call. They'll say, we need you. You know, you know, now I've recorded so many, God only knows how many hundreds or thousands of hours I've recorded for Aladdin. But, you know, so there's basically no word in the English language that I haven't recorded for them. So they could probably just pull it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but for, you know, whenever they need it. But every once in a while, they call me and they say, we're doing this new video game, whether it's that there was that really cool Connect video game where you're taking yeah. a tour of Disneyland or, you know, whether and, or uh, what's it called? Kingdom Hearts. I'm not a video game player, so I, I, I people get so excited and I'm so clueless. But yeah, so they'll call or sometimes it'll be a parade. They're doing a, lad, a parade in Disneyland, Tokyo. That's right. And Aladdin yeah. has to shout to the crowd. So <laughs> they'll call me in to record something. And uh, I always get such a kick out of it. We always, because I get out of the, get out of the Aladdin mode. So basically what we do is we start the script and it takes me a little while to warm up to get my Aladdin voice back, you know? And so we record the whole thing and then go back and re-record the first few lines while I was, where I was warming up, you know? It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's such a strange thing to be, uh, that it's become, everybody knew when it came out, oh, this is a classic, this is going to be a classic Disney movie, but I guess now enough time has passed that it actually is a classic, which makes me feel very old, but, but at the you same time. You're not old at all, Scott, goodness no, gracious. It's true. No, I'm still, in, I'm still in my 30s, but, uh, but uh, I, uh, you know, it's, it's incredible that it's, uh, it persists in the culture like this, you know, and I, I have a feeling that's not going to go away anytime soon. Well, now I have three Disney questions I always ask my guests. They're called the Fab Three. So we'll start with the Donald question, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to watch over and over again? Well, for sure. Oh, God, that's such a tough question. I was going to say for sure, and then 15 Disney movies popped into my head. So, <laughs> um, well, you know, the one, the one that really, the one that probably meant the most to me, obviously, before Aladdin was The Little Mermaid because I was exactly at that age where I was embarrassed to go to a kid movie, you know, which I thought it was. Not just a kid movie, but a girl movie, you know, about a mermaid. And I was very, very lucky that my best friend dragged me to it as an animation freak. He's like, we're not missing this movie. People would freak out from this. I met John Lasseter last week. He was like the coolest guy Ever and, he, and and his wife. We were at a wedding. We just were at a wedding together, and uh, and we hung out a lot. And and his wife Nancy, who's so cool. Um, I mean, they were just. It was 
to just sit and talk to these guys, it was, it was incredible. It was really amazing. And I was very wow. tongue tied and nervous and I'm sure I made a, <laughs> but, uh, but just, you know, meeting, meeting such a legendary influential person. Um, uh, and, and, oh, and, and then the, the most special part of it was, uh, was when I was introduced to him. They said, John, uh, this is uh, the voice of Aladdin. And he, he remembered being at a recording session with me and Robin because they were getting ready to make Toy Story. And he, Disney invited him to come to one of our sessions, I guess, just to participate for maybe to give his two cents or to hang out with the animators or whatever. And, uh, and the fact that he remembered meeting me was absolutely mind-blowing. The best part is we were at a wedding together and we were all waiting. There was a shuttle bus coming to the hotel to take us all to this wedding. And we were waiting and the shuttle bus was late. So I said, guys, I can't wait anymore. I'm running to the bathroom. And of course, right when I run to the bathroom, the shuttle shows up. And as I'm leaving, I hear Lasseter say, hold the bus. Aladdin's in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of the highlight. It was really fun. But it it was really cool to meet him. Whenever I meet somebody of that magnitude, I always, you know, you know, I always get flustered. But um, but I hope I hope I held it together enough to have a decent conversation with him. He was really cool. And our goofy question: What Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Boy, this is this is this is a tough one. I mean, uh, I guess um, hmm, going through some of them in my head. You know, you know who I'd want to spend some time with? Belle from Beauty and the Beast because she's 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 cool and she's smart. She loves books. And I think she, she'd be really interesting and fun to hang out with. And, uh, and she loves books. I mean, come on. What I think we'd get along great. perfect package right there. <laughs> <laughs> and our Mickey question, if I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? What Disney song comes? Well, now a friend like me is coming to mind because we're talking about friendship. But, um, That's a great Let one. me tell you something. Uh, I'm, and I'm not just saying this to plug my show, but... The songs that are, that are really in my head every day right now are the new Alan Menken, Glenn Slater songs that they're writing for Gallivant, which are fantastic. They're some of their funniest songs and some of their most beautiful songs. They're writing romantic love songs and they're writing hilarious send-ups of different genres. And so you have to watch Gallivant and hear the soundtrack to hear the, 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 the new Disney music that's stuck in my head. The season one Gallivant soundtrack is on iTunes, correct? I believe so. Yeah, I think you can get it. I think you can get it on iTunes, and you can get the you can get the season, you know the the show itself. I think on iTunes, and you can get it on Hulu or whatever. Um, it was it's it, it's on ABC, and I can't give you an actual air date because I don't know exactly when we're going to air, but I think it'll be in the winter time. We're doing ten episodes this season, and we're getting ready to go off and start shooting them in August in Bristol, England. And it's going to be really special. I mean, I That's think going to be fun, last, yeah. yeah, last season was amazing, and I think this season's going to be even better. I think it's going to be really, really cool. We learned a lot last year, and we're applying all the different things that we learned to this season, and uh, and I think it's going to be a really special year. Well, we'll make sure, listeners and myself, we'll make sure we're following you on Twitter, which is at Scott Weinger, W-E-I-N-G-E-R, and you probably you'll probably tweet out when the official date is announced, and we'll, oh, we'll make sure we'll retweet a- it and favorite it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm very proud of the show, and I will be tweeting my face off. You, you can count on that. So, so if you follow me on Twitter, it's just at Scott Weinger. I will, I'll always let you know uh, when, when things are going to air and all that stuff, particularly episodes that I wrote so my mom can, um, can gush to all of her friends. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and you know, hopefully some fun pictures from the set will be coming in. I'll share those. You know, uh, oh, I get a kick great. on Twitter. It's fun. I'll, I'll definitely. Uh, I love sharing that kind of stuff. So you I'll need to be, dress I'll, up I'll as a knight in the background for one of the scenes. <laughs> 
God, I, you know, I'd have to fly to England for that, but maybe we'll see. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Research trip, research trip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I might, you know, usually when you're a writer on a show, you cover your own set. You go, you know, even if you're shooting out of town, you go and set set a little bit and hang out with the director and keep an eye on it and sort of make sure it's what you had in mind. But because it's all the way in England, we have these writer producers, uh, husband and wife, a married uh, couple, writing team, John, John Hoberg and Kat Lickle, and they... They cover every episode. They move. They pick up and move, and they'll be there for the whole thing. But I think I might try to go visit this season. I didn't go last season, and it's such a fun set and such an amazing with all the castles. It's just so elaborate and cool. And uh, so I might go. I might. I might drop in on those guys in England this year. You know, I'm just so excited to see season two, and I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, Scott. And also can't wait for you making your D23 uh, introduction appearance. There we go. That's going to be a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, my very first one. That's good. That's You're going to have so much fun. Wait. I'll be screaming in the back saying, hi, Scott, but everybody else will be doing oh. the same. So. <laughs> okay, perfect. I'll see you there. Now, at last begins a true adventure. Epic, wild, a real butt clencher. So, Hazard and Tally-ho, sit back and here we go. Attend the day of death. You're only in trouble if you get caught. Gotcha! I'm in trouble.